Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. It's not how you start, but how you finish. We are your co-hosts, Solomon and Jamila Jefferson. We want you all to know, no matter the cards we've been dealt in life or the mistakes we've made, we will not allow our past to determine our future. We welcome our guest, Liz Williamson, to share on the topic of sex trafficking, to bring awareness and education in honor of January being Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Welcome, Liz. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for coming. We're happy to have you. Can you briefly share a little bit about yourself personally and professionally? Sure. So as mentioned, my name is Liz Williamson. I am a survivor of sex trafficking. I actually grew up not far from where you all are in Philadelphia. And more than that, uh, now professionally, after getting out of sex trafficking about 12 years ago, I work full-time as a survivor advocate and as a training specialist. So it really means I do a lot of presentations about sex trafficking, the warning signs and how to get involved, and especially to those in the transportation industry, because I find that if they're on the roads, they might see something that you and I miss when we're asleep at 3 a.m. Wow. Right. I'm glad you mentioned that because my husband was a truck driver. So maybe we'll There you go. I work for Truckers Against Trafficking. All right now. Great. What is sex trafficking? So to boil it down, sex trafficking is the exploitation of an individual through force, through fraud or coercion for the purposes of commercial sex or forced labor. Now, if someone is under 18, you do not have to prove any of that because under 18, you can't consent to sex. So By and large, it is sex trafficking. If you're over 18, you have to prove one of those three elements for it to be considered a federal crime. If you think about force, you're going to think about forced beatings, brutal assaults, being raped, all in the purpose of, I'm going to do this to you. You're going to learn how to be sex trafficked. If you're thinking about fraud, you're thinking about false employment offers. So someone says, you could, you're you so pretty, you could be a model, and then they do a bait and switch where you show up for that job and suddenly you're involved in something that you had no, no idea about. And then coercion, it's usually the white picket fence fantasy or the, if I do this for him, it's going to stop, I'm going to have a fairy tale. Or if I don't do this, something worse is going to happen because they've already proven that they are harmful to me. It's pretty crazy. You know, estimated there are over 50 million slaves worldwide at this point, and it's a $150 billion industry. Wow. Oh, I'm so sorry. Wow. Yeah, it's thank wild. You, thank you for sharing that. Can you share your story of how sex trafficking impacted you? Sure. So I was actually first sold when I was six years old. Mm. So sex trafficking, the idea of it, the concept of it, even prostitution, it didn't cross my mind. That wasn't something that I understood because honestly, I didn't even have the word for body parts. So when my mom said, you have to go with this guy and do whatever he says, I didn't have the informed knowledge of what I was getting myself into. I knew it was a bad guy. I knew that he made me uncomfortable, but I also knew... If my mom says, do you love me? I just wanted to prove it. Now, I grew up in an environment that had chaos. I grew up with drug and alcohol addiction. I grew up with pornography. I grew up with an unstable home life. But really, I think what my story boils down to for me, I wasn't loved. They loved money more than they loved me. And really, my body was an object. 
It was just a means to an end. She's going to do this. We're going to get money from it. And you know, the surprising part about familial trafficking, because it's not really talked about, is that it's the highest reported rate of trafficking that's being reported to the National Human Trafficking Hotline at this point. So a lot of the times our understanding of trafficking, we're thinking pimps, we're thinking being kidnapped, we're thinking, you know, things that are happening in the movies. We're not thinking a mom saying, do this, you have no other choice. Right. And I can't make excuses for evil. I will say that I know that she had unhealed trauma. I know that probably terrible things happened to her growing up because there's no logical reason that you would, that would do that to anyone, let alone your child. Right. There's there's just not. So a lot of the times I think people try to explain it away or have a reason. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I don't know that there is an understandable reason for it. There's just not. So it happened and it can be used for good, just like your podcast says, you know, that it's not how I started. It just matters what I do with it at this oh, point. Amen. Yeah, Amen. Amen. I like that. Yeah. And just to hear how you're giving back, you know, through your organization that you serve with, which we would love to learn more about. So how can your organization that you serve with, can you share how sure. uh, they serve sure. those So Truckers Against Trafficking. They started back in 2009, so we've been around a little bit of time, and it's a nonprofit that focuses on outreach to the trucking, bus, energy, transportation industries to educate, equip, empower them, really mobilize them to fight against human trafficking because most of these individuals that work in these industries are either awake when we are not awake or are in areas that you and I just don't usually frequent. So they started this kind of as an outreach campaign because they're realizing, hey, if we just get the word out, can we make a difference about human trafficking? And by and large, the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. So they started this as a let's tell them about the awareness signs. Let's tell them about the warning signs. Let's tell them how to report it. Because I think a lot of the campaigns about human trafficking, they go so far that they stop about the reporting. And the reporting is how we make a difference. Because it's not just that, oh, I see this. My alarm bells are activated. I know it's trafficking. But if I do nothing with it, which I really think is a piece of my story, is that people saw things, but they either didn't want to get you know, involved because they thought, oh, then I'll have to testify. And then I'll have to be responsible for her whole recovery journey. I don't think that's true at all. Instead, you know, Truckers Against Trafficking is saying, hey, you see all these warning signs. You make a quick phone call. That's all you have to do. And this person's life could be forever changed because of the intervention of law enforcement, because of advocates, because of therapy, because you got them out of that situation, because you reported it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Um, mm-hmm. When I was listening to the webinar that you were on um, is a panelist, the one human trafficking webinar series, part one, supporting students who have experienced uh, familial human trafficking. I remember you sharing about like um, your teacher or a staff member knowing that something was off. Did you want to talk about that a little bit or share a little bit more? Sure. So I think it's really important that we all just be concerned community citizens. And for me, I had a high school art teacher who she knew something was wrong at home. She knew that I was hungry. She knew that I was tired. She knew that something was just off. 
So she always had trail mix in her classroom and, you know, clementine oranges and just Mm -hmm. small things. And I was hungry, guys. It wasn't like, especially when you're under 18, I don't know that you can walk up to food pantries without an ID and say, I'm hungry. Now, I know that this is where the communities come in. And if our churches have food banks, if our churches have food giveaways, if we have some kind of outreach to high school teens, that would have been huge for me. It wasn't a reality for me because I lived in a little bit of an isolated area. So this teacher, she just had food in her classroom and it felt like a safe place. That was huge. It wasn't that I disclosed the abuse. She knew that things were off. But what she did was she encouraged me about my future. She said, go to college. You're smart enough for that. I went to college. You know, she said, you know, you really just have to pick up your own pieces and make something of your life. Sometimes it's up to you. And she wasn't wrong. It definitely took a journey. But uh, she started with trail mix in her classroom and clementine oranges. Sounds like she was a pretty good uh, inspiration to you. She was. She was. Her name is Jody. Pretty sure she's still a high school art teacher. And, you know, I think that it ties back to Truckers Against Trafficking, but it also ties into my personal work as an advocate. It's all of us doing our everyday job and doing it well to where we're an advocate for others. Mm -hmm. You know, we see them, we see their potential, and we just speak into that and meet their needs where we can. Right, right. Wow. Thank you for that. That's so powerful. I'm a school nurse. So definitely like, you know, like you said, it's really amazing to tune in and to key in um, to like, you know, the students and you just never know how that could definitely positively impact uh, students. I know like being in the inner city and serving, there was an incident at one of the schools I was at that um it happened at a gas station and the principal actually had to send a letter out to the school because it could have been a situation that was unsafe and, you know, the kids could have gotten trafficked. So I just thank God that everything turned out okay. But, you know, children are a target, right? I mean, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. why do you think that's the case? You know, in a lot of ways, I think that it's a twofold answer. Children are a target because they're just naturally impressionable and they're looking for that guidance. And so the strong personalities tend to dominate and they just go along with it. But more than that, children are innocent. So we don't always have the barometer between the right and the wrong. Mm -hmm. We Now, internally, I do believe that we all have the, I know this is right, I know this is wrong. When I was being abused, I knew it was wrong. I couldn't have convinced me otherwise. However, if no adult figure around you is saying this is wrong, then you just kind of go along with it because you're like, well, they're all doing it. No one's saying anything else otherwise. But going back to the fact that you're a school nurse, you know, I missed this on the webinar, but I could have said, you know, the scoliosis test that you do as a school nurse Mm -hmm. where you look at people's curve of the spine. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, that would have been a very weird but poignant way to tell that I was sex trafficked. I had bruises everywhere, but if you're taking your shirt off, you would have seen it. Mm -hmm. So just a weird thing to tuck in the back of your mind the next time you do a scoliosis test. Wow. And thank you for that. I know in the, you know, city where we are normally, you know, their shirts are on, you know, but definitely you're right. You, you know, when I, whenever I see anything that stands out because we're mandated reporters, I'd rather be Mm -hmm. safe than sorry. 
So Mm -hmm. even, you know, like when I have had to connect with making a report and it's a team of us, you know, the school counselor and other staff members, and sometimes it's not, they do ask about like, you know, are they well kept? You know, those Mm -hmm. questions, what about eating and food? You know, I I didn't realize those questions are so significant because you just don't know. And when a child tells you something, again, you're there to advocate. And there are at times red flags, you know, and like you said, it's just like you mentioned, children are so impressionable. They're so innocent. And at the end of the day, that's why it's so significant. If you see something, say something. If you have that sense or discernment that something's off, by all means, do that, you know? So, you know, I think what it comes back to also, if you see a child displaying like overt sexual knowledge of things that they shouldn't know about, mm-hmm. and for the sake of our listeners, I don't want to make people uncomfortable, instead of shame, because I think shame shuts people down, judgment right. shuts people down. Yeah. Instead, it's just approaching it with curiosity. How did they learn that? Mm-hmm. Why do they know that? Yes. Yes. Because if you come from that place of just, fruit giving, life giving, I'm just curious. And you don't come from the shame place. I think that also would have been huge for me because I displayed signs of knowledge that I shouldn't have had. And it probably made people uncomfortable and they didn't want to get involved necessarily. But I think that, you know, instead of labeling a teenager promiscuous, Mm -hmm. well, if she's promiscuous, who's she sleeping with? Mm -hmm. Because if someone had asked me that question, we would have figured out that it was older men that I had no business being around. Mm-hmm. You can't call someone loose without looking at the I'm other on. end of the equation. I'm on. It right. takes two. And you're so right. Thank you for sharing that because I, yeah. you know, when people like just judge and how dare that person be hot, like you have to go deeper and say what happened, not blame and not make them feel bad because it's not, it wasn't your fault, you know? So thank you for sharing you know, that. But also, I think in church culture in, in general, we look at it as, yes, a modesty culture, which I absolutely appreciate, like absolutely appreciate. But are my shoulder blades going to cause a man to sin and stumble? Or do we need to talk about seeing people as vessels of God's honor? Because I'm not sure that me wearing a tank top leads somebody to stumble more than we have to talk about why. Yes, I agree because at times that could be the only thing that that person has to wear. So, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's showing love because you don't know that person's background or circumstances. And I just thank God, like where we worship, you know, that's really the education provided. And I thank God for our pastor and our first lady. She loves, she has a passion for human trafficking. Um, mm-hmm. and she had like there, it is a human trafficking awareness conference that's taking place like the end of the ninth annual human trafficking awareness conference. And they're going to have a men's only portion that Friday and that Saturday is going to be like for everyone. It's going to be in person and virtual. And another thing that really like stood out to me was how this year she was able to have a discussion with young sisters in Christ. It was a book discussion um, that took place virtually. Um, and the book is by Sharon G. Flake called The Life I'm In. It, she invited, you know, teen girls to join in for that discussion, you know, to talk about the book and to just talk and to be a resource and a presence so that education and awareness could continue with, you know, those young, you know, children, middle, middle age, middle, 
I think, yeah. And just just to add to that, Jamita just mentioned the uh, our church. Some of our leaders are, are advocates uh, against uh, trafficking, uh, sexual trafficking. That's really where I got educated from because of, of my church. Because when I was driving truck back in 2013, 2015, I've seen some stuff. And I bet you did. I didn't really understand it, you know, because as a father myself, I've seen a lot of guys, not with real young girls, but younger women. And I'm saying, mm-hmm. how in the world, what in the world is she doing with this guy? It just didn't look right. You know, but I'm a truck driver. I'm going, I'm stopping there to get fuel. I'm stopping there to get something to eat. Maybe even sleep for an hour or two, or may just be stopping in and keeping it moving and, and mm-hmm. not really recognizing what's really going on. But I see it. And since I've been going to this church, I realized that probably some of that was sex trafficking. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you know what, uh, Mr. Solomon, you hit on a great point. It's the things that we see that just make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's a little bit off. It doesn't have to be, you know, in your face, audacious. It's just, there's something where you think, huh. And as you say, as a father of young girls, you're thinking, if this was my daughter, I would feel uncomfortable. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So thank you. So what do you think you'd be doing if it wasn't for your trafficking experience? Because my trafficking started so young, so it went from 6 to 23. So that's 17 years of my life. I'm 36 now. Truthfully, I'd be dead. I Honestly, like if it wasn't for God's grace, Amen. I wouldn't be here. And I know that. Sometimes that is a weighty responsibility in the sense of when you wake up and you realize that your life has a purpose and you are still here, whether you want to be or not, Amen. which... Sometimes you don't want to be because you carry the weight of the trauma, because you carry the weight of the memories. But more than that, I have a responsibility Jeez. to use my story for good. That's powerful. I I love what I do and I'm passionate about it, but I also love art. I love teaching art classes. I found that in my healing journey, I didn't always like to talk about it, sometimes because I didn't have the words for it. How do you explain people's brutality? You You can't. So I love painting, um, and I'll send you a picture. I'll put a picture or two in our chat here, which I wish, and maybe we can show your audience on your website. But I found that painting was a way where I could release my emotions without having to talk about it. It was huge. Wow. That is awesome. It sounds so cathartic. And then, you know, what's ironic is that art teacher (laughs) was like, you know. I don't know that she saw or maybe she did but i mean i i use the skills that right i learned about that is amazing how now you love and, and what i'm hearing uh sister liz also in your voice and in your body language that you're very passionate about what you do i, I, I kind of I feel bad because you had to go through that experience but what i'm finding out is that the experiences that we go through god uses them to help others. So I thank Absolutely. you. For, I thank you. I, I thank you. I commend you for what you're doing. And you know, the thing is, we are not in charge of the cards we get dealt. And I mm-hmm. don't think that evil is in God's plan. There was nothing in my DNA that said, please hurt her. She was made for this. Right. Nothing. Amen. However, 
God's going to say, I'm going to give you this, the skills, the knowledge, the everything you need to get through this and to do something different Amen. with it. This is where we break the generations. Amen. I will not Amen. let this go forward. Amen. I actually went to Bible school for a little bit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I did. I When I first went to college and that art teacher brought out a college book and she said, here, pick one. And I said, where'd you go to college? And uh, she said, oh, I went to so-and-so. I said, great, I'll go there. I didn't know it was a Bible school. <laughs> so I went yeah. about two years. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I realized I didn't quite fit in. Maybe my language was a little different. <laughs> Uh, maybe my habits were a little different. However, I had a roommate that was pure as the driven snow and whose mama loved me madly. I appreciate that. Yes. I still went back out and did some of the things that it was familiar to me because I think that if we do not deal with our past pain, it will always call to right. us. Right. Yeah. I agree with you. So, meh, I uh, might have done some things that I now think differently of. You know, in the grand scheme, every piece of my story, every piece of your story, it's it's a patchwork. It's a mosaic. It's all built together. Yes, it's yes. in the grand scheme for good yes. when we think about it that way. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. That's the so. only way that I have to think about it because, you know, you know, I feel like God doesn't make mistakes and yet there's good and evil out here. And um, mm-hmm. no matter what, it's not in vain. Like, you know how you're an advocate and how you're giving back, you know, yes, you probably had to go through some things and therapy and, you know, whatever it is to process it. For sure. To get and healing. I am, I'm a huge advocate of therapy. I'm Me still too. in therapy. Me too. I think that you, and it doesn't have to look like the traditional talk therapy. Oh, it right. could look like spiritual guidance. Right. It looks like someone helping you process Amen. what's inside of you to turn it from a junk and a mess to something usable, something right. worthwhile, something so it doesn't eat you up inside. Right, right. And, and I agree. Like, you know, it's whatever works for the person that's going to allow them to continue to heal and to continue to thrive yeah. and be who, you know, God has created us to be. Because we're all a work in progress. I'm still a work in progress. And, for sure. You know, so I just, I'm grateful. Uh, thank you for that. So... What are some organizations or what are some ways your organization partners with others to combat trafficking? So we have a great relationship with the national hotline here in the U.S., but then also in Canada and in Mexico as well, though I'm not positive that Mexico has a hotline number necessarily, but I'll do some research on that. But basically we're saying, okay, great. We do all this awareness. What are you going to do with it? Because I think if we just come to another event, Instead of doing the heart change, instead of having the conversations like you guys are talking about with your church, talking to the men, talking about how do you be protectors? How do you do something more? So one of our you know great relationships is with the hotlines of, okay, we're telling all these people to call us. Great. They're going to do that. And so that's where you actually find the statistics where they say, oh, California has the biggest problem of trafficking. Well, the only reason we have statistics on that is because they're calling into the national hotline. If we call 911 or the local sheriff's office, we're not going to know because that's not fed into the national hotline. So sometimes we don't know the actual issue of trafficking. We just know the calls that are made into the hotline. Thank you for sharing that. 
Right. Um, so we're going to get ready to close soon. But before we do so, can you share any additional practical tools, resources, or, you know, things that can help those impacted by this issue, as well as for those who may like that help to continue to help those impact sex trafficking? If people want to help and they've never taken a training class about human trafficking, if you go to Truckers Against Trafficking, you do not have to be a trucker, but truckersagainsttrafficking.org, we have a 30-minute video. That would be an easy way to learn about it. You get a certificate if you'd like a certificate, and it just shows that you're doing something. If you are a survivor, I run two support groups. One is for familial trafficking or those impacted by trafficking from a family member or a close caregiver. That is on Thursday nights. I would love for you to join me. If you are a trafficking survivor and it wasn't family, I have a support group on Sunday nights. I would love for you to participate. It's an easy way to gain community because I don't think we heal without community. Amen. It's like so that. important. Community is so powerful. I mean, it's awesome. You're right. Amen. So Well, and if you think about it, most of our, you know, trauma and the bad things that happen to us lead us to isolation. Hmm. We don't heal in isolation. We want to sometimes because we don't trust the world, but I don't know that that's where healing comes from. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I know my healing, uh, even though my situation was much different from yours, I was an addict for several years. And when I start talking about it, I start feeling better, you know, and yeah. You know, one thing I find out about the enemy, he wants you to keep things to yourself so he can control you. But once you start releasing that stuff, that's when the breakdown yep. starts. Yeah. And, and he can't use it against you anymore. Exactly, right. Exactly. Right. And I could relate to with support groups, you know, for my church, like I was impacted as a child by domestic violence and, mm-hmm. you know, being able to instill, you know, stay in connection with them, even though I'm not able to go to the meetings, uh, you know, being that I'm a thriver now because I'm not impacted by domestic abuse, but it's so cathartic, you know, to have that camaraderie and fellowship right. and connection. And, you know, it's just an awesome thing. So thank you for that. So now You're we're welcome. Any closing comments or thoughts before we get ready to go, before we wrap up and ask for you to share your contact information or, you know, any other additional things you feel led to do so? You know, I just think my closing thought is if you don't think you know someone who's been impacted by human trafficking, learn the signs of domestic violence, learn the signs of being sexually abused. You probably do know someone. Mm, Wow. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. So can you please feel free at this time to share your contact information if you're allowed to do so? Sure. So ways that people can get in touch with me um, through my work, truckersagainsttrafficking.org. Uh, they can go ahead and send an email, much like you guys did, actually. And then uh, my personal website is elizabethwilliamson.com. It's another great way uh, to get in touch with me and see the work that I do. Amen. Well, we thank you so much for this helpful information. We thank you for your life story. We thank you for sharing and providing awareness and inspiration that we know will continue to not only bless us, but those who are going to listen, keep doing what you're well, doing. Thank you sister. so much. Keep on trucking, sister. <laughs> hey, I don't see a different way to be. All right. Amen. So no matter the cards we've been dealt in life or the mistakes we have made, it does not define who we are or where we are going. 
It is just a part of our story and the journey that God has us on to not only learn from these different experiences, but to sometimes be able to help support, encourage, and inspire others who may be going through similar situations. My husband and I have learned this to be true because of our different life experiences, which have led us in wanting to continue to share our story along with others to know it is not how you start, but how you finish. 